Yeah. Hello and welcome to Sea of Geek podcast. We had the, we had the countdown from Tony coming in. We're just going to jump right in. Uh, so we are Sea of Geek with a couple. We have a guest and an interview this time, so we get extra shit for y'all. Uh, if you said like, shit. Yeah, know, you're so never the one that starts swearing. It's always me. <laughs> oh fuck that! It's, it's yeah. There we are. Bob, why you fuck us? Well, you, you clean. Yes, uh, I'm Bob. I'm Cody. I'm Kim. I'm Tony. And we have our guest, Jason. Jason's coming up from Crypticon, our favorite convention that we're all handy dandy have this weekend. Yeah, because this comes out Mar- uh, May 1st. You'd think I'd be drinking with how much I'm already messing up my words. <laughs> cut uh, off, Bob. Cut off. <laughs> cut off and drinking that I'm not doing. Bob, this is actually an intervention. We're not doing a podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> I need to drink <laughs> more. This is a safe place. <laughs> You're not drinking enough, Bob. <laughs> I thought this was a professional podcast, guys. What? This is how professional podcasters do Exactly, yeah. I don't know. I don't listen to podcasts. Dude, I was shit-faced like for half of our best of last year. Yeah. Dude, me too. Yes. <laughs> well, and like and it was my fault. Too. I was the franchise. You, you went to town on that fucking Maker's Mark, man. Oh, yeah, you know I do. And it's and it rocks. It's one of my favorites. fucking does. Yeah. And we're, uh, this uh, particular um, topic, we're going to be talking about Crypticon. Uh, so that's why we have Jason here to talk about his uh, what he does with Cron. Out the window. Uh, what he does with the con, uh, some panels that are coming up, some events, and just uh, how awesome it is and how much you should go there. If you're listening to us, you probably already go to con and you know us already, but for the handful out there who might have found us in other ways, uh, hopefully this will convince you to come uh, this year. If you can't make it, uh, hope we come across next year because this does come out a couple days before the convention starts. Um, also, a couple days before the convention starts. Cody's getting married! So by the time this comes out, uh, you should be finishing everything up because this is coming out Wednesday. Yeah, it'll be spoken for, ladies. Just putting that out there. Dude, you're still okay. You know, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And uh, later on, we'll also have an interview with Scott Weil from the uh, film Once Upon a Superhero. Cody did an interview with him the other day, so that's going to splice that in towards the end here. Uh, so stay tuned for that, and we'll find out more about that movie uh, as we get to that later on. Uh, along with, uh, you know, I'll put a link down in the description of where you can find where it's playing. It's kind of doing a regional tour. Yeah, uh, it'll be at the Blue Mouse and Tacoma is the closest it comes to us currently uh-huh. uh, on May 10th at, I think, 9 or 10 p.m. But go to the Blue Mount, uh, look that up online. We'll put the link down there and find that. Check them out. It should be a fun time. I know a couple of us are trying to be there, um, and we'll we'll check that out as well because they were pointed they were pointed to us from Ryan from Crypticon. Um, so so double thanks to Crypticon for that, yeah. for the referral. Uh-huh. It was... And it was, it was a nice experience getting to kind of talk with him. He was a very nice guy, very well-spoken. Uh, had a lot of really interesting thoughts about just movies in general. So it's a, it's a good interview. Check it out. And I'm, I'm excited for the film. I, uh, he said it was kind of a gut punch of a superhero film. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to that. We, cool. we had a gut punch of a superhero film already. Yeah, because Avengers oh, yeah. just came out as well. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll but keep that spoiler free podcast. for those who haven't seen it. Uh, we got a couple weeks for that uh, before we start talking about that in spoilers. Uh, I don't know. Jason, have you seen it yet? No. Yeah, she's super busy with con shit, right? Yeah, I actually <laughs> plan on bringing my daughter on Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to go at like 9, 3. My daughter's 7. And I had forgotten that there was a thing called school. Uh, what? So, yeah, so I'm like 9.30 at night. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just finishing up my notes. I'm doing this. I got program stuff. And I'm like, all right, it's time to go. And my wife's like, no. <laughs> She's like, no, it is not. <laughs> it's a three-hour movie. Yeah. 
So uh, part of my trade-off for the the woman that helps me build the program for Crypticon is uh, I'm watching her youngest daughter so she can take her son and family to it tomorrow. So I got extra spoilers to avoid. <laughs> yeah. Because so. nothing like having a seven-year-old come back from a movie. Oh, like, yeah. oh man. I'm just Bruce like, Willis is dead. Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm just going to be like, I hope he's asleep. If he's asleep, just leave him in the car. I'll exit. You can take him upstairs. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. It's like, we will not be spoiling it here, and we won't spoil it for you. Uh, we're not going to be that mean. Uh, instead, instead of, yeah, you're working on Crypticon. Tell us, uh, of course, we mentioned before in the cast, but you, yeah, you work for literally for Crypticon. So tell us uh, about the con and why it's so amazing. And, and well... <laughs> Okay. And I was going to say a little bit about you. Yeah, about you. Who are uh, you? Who are you and why are you here? Wow. <laughs> That's I, did, I did not realize that it was the, that kind of podcast. Who am I? Shit's getting deep. Yeah, jeez. Well, when I was three... <laughs> uh, Life was always an easy for me. I was born a poor black child. <laughs> um, so I'm the director of public relations for Crypticon Seattle, which is pretty meaningless. Um but Fretticon's <laughs> <laughs> meaningless are you just kidding <laughs> no being a director of public relations um, I, most I mean if that was just my job I mean the title's meaningless yeah. <laughs> uh, if that was just my job my uh, I would just be doing stuff like this and setting up interviews with radio stations and whatever um, but I'm the program uh, the panel programmer um, so all the panels you see um, I program those I have uh, two suites on the 13th floor, which is our party rooms, which uh, <clears throat> if you come to Crypticon, spend your money on my booze, because I don't want to lose my ass this year. Um, oh, don't booze. worry. I've got some good <laughs> booze money for you, bud. Cody's <laughs> oh, um, ready. I love you. Uh, yeah, so I do the, I schedule the interviews, the celebrity interviews, the panels. I do the program. I... Uh, set up all uh, press stuff. I, I'm kind of a catch-all for all the things that uh, people want to do but don't necessarily have a person for. I'm kind of that guy that... I'm like the godfather of Crypticon. <laughs> I, I have people that owe me favors. Um, yeah, so I just I kind of make things happen so that our little con can actually uh, come to fruition every year. And keep inviting all of us back, so we all owe you a lot of favors. <laughs> yes, because yes. you know, because Crypticon is like my favorite of all the conventions I go to. Because we, mm-hmm. most oh. of us here go to a lot, and uh, I met all of you motherfuckers through Crypticon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My yeah. very first panel is where I met Bob. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, one of my first panels is uh, when we had the screen panel. The screen panel tossed into like mm-hmm. that day. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, look, we got Matthew Lord because uh, George Romero had to had to back out. Um, the nerve. They. Uh, what a yeah. jerk. <laughs> He's going to curse me on the grave. Oh, yeah. uh, so last year, Tony and I spent a long time talking about how much, how amazing he was at our, when he had the Immor Memorial panel. Yes. That you, we were on with Sarah Fetters. Um, oh, yeah, that was, that, that was a good panel. That was a very emotional panel. Romero's death still. It's very yeah. fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I always appreciate everything that you do for the con because every time we talk, you're just like, oh, what's going on now? It's like, this pile of stuff <laughs> yeah. to be done now. And, 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 and this is like, you know, in the middle of the year, like between cons, there's already You put in the, the hard legwork, leg especially at that con, like last year, like, you like no downtime, it's like, boom, 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 back and forth. I'm like, 
So, cheers to you. Yeah, last year I, uh, I kept a pedometer, which was an amazing science experiment. Um, <laughs> Thursday, setting up the con, I did 15 and a half miles. Jesus. Ooh! Yeah. Holy shnicky. Yeah, by the end of the con, um, Sunday night, I literally, I, I could not walk. I, my shin splints were so bad. Like, <sighs> it was horrible, but <clears throat> this year I got a lot more uh, help. Um, so we're working through that in counseling. Um, but I also have a lot of people, um, a lot of uh, more assistance this year. So I'm hoping to do a lot less uh, walking and a lot more drinking. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, my life goal, actually. Yeah, more, more drinking, less walking. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a good life goal right there. But yeah, I mean, last year was um, was a really good, really good con. Uh, I'm told. <laughs> but it was uh, yeah, it was it was it was stressful. Um, this is my my ninth. This is my tenth year. Mm. I want to say this is your third year, right, Kim? It's my third year as a panelist. Okay. Uh, my first year attending was the year Nic- Nicholas Brendan. Okay. That was my very the first one year. That, the one that the year that we got him back on the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's the rumor. At least I wasn't as involved back then. But the rumor is, is that he uh, he lost his sobriety at the the infamous uh, biohazard. I was gonna party. say a biohazard. Yeah. One biohazard I, will do that to a person. I met. I want to say I met the cat uh, and Linny. I think the next year, just watching the panels. Uh-huh. And I remember because I went and talked to them, and I was like, "You're amazing. I want to do what you do." And they were like, "Oh, you're cute." Um, and I started doing the 100 Days of Horror that year. Uh-huh. And that was when I then I started talking to Linny more and joining in the live tweets. And that's how I first then got involved with the Horror Honeys. And from there, I think it was Linny ultimately who recommended me as a panelist when she couldn't, either couldn't do it at all or could only do one or two panels. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how, that's how I started as a <laughs> panelist. But yeah, this is my third year as that. Yeah. So Jason, tell us about just your total, did you start out as a fan? Um, what, what's your what's your uh, your timeline and your story with Crypticon? So I was living in Portland at the time, and um, I was doing my obligatory uh, visiting my parents. Um, you know, because who likes their parents, right? <laughs> um, so I was just there for a Sunday trip, and my mom said, "Oh, just um, this was the year it was in Everett." I don't know if you know. Uh, that's a lot. That was, was one my time. Like maybe yeah. the first one. I think it's my ninth. Yeah, it was. Year, so it was like actually the third one. The first two were like really small. Mm. Um, but the um, yeah. So my mom was like, "Oh, there's a there's a horror movie convention uh, just a couple miles away." And I'm like, well, that's a good excuse to not talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hope she's uh, not listening to this. <laughs> Love you, Mom. Yeah. Um, she actually follows all my work, so yeah, yeah uh, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went to the convention, and it was, um, they had Heather Langenkamp there, uh-huh. and uh, she was just a sweetheart, and they had Felissa Rose and Ernie uh-huh. Hudson, and that was the year that we had... Um, you guys are gonna laugh. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just pure exhaustion. Why I can't remember. Oh, Margot Kidder. Oh, yeah, I was right. gonna say Lois Lane, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys kind of mocked me. But yeah, Margot Kidder was there. Wow. Um, and it was it was really weird because it was set up in the parking garage. So like, you know, all these celebrities are just <laughs> in this really dark parking garage. <laughs> you know, and you could tell that they were all just like. 
what did we get ourselves into? Is this the setup for a film? <laughs> <laughs> Snuff film, snuff film. Yeah, but <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking massacre. Human centipede. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but everyone was just, uh, su- all the celebrities were super humble. And um, I met some, um, I met Jeff Dean um, from oh, Portland. Portland. Yeah, yeah, and Willie Greer. And they did a, a panel that I actually recreated last year when I did the panel programming. It was about um, slasher movies. And they handed out a sheet of every single slasher movie, it was a couple sheets, every single slasher movie made from 1980 to 1989. Oh, wow. Wow. And I still still have this sheet at home from Mm. 10 years ago, and I actually turned it into a spreadsheet eventually, and I go through and I highlight, and I try to watch all nearly 300 of these films. I actually even added some more that were, you know, not on the list. Um, oh, wow. Maybe that Good. were a little bit ambiguous when it comes to the slasher genre, but right. I'm, you know, I'm the completist. I'm like, mm, I want to do it all. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that was my first year. It was just the Sunday. I didn't, I love it. And um, so I, the next year I was like, how do I get involved in this? I'm like, I'm too proud to just like ask to be like, Hey, like, can I be involved in this? Um, so I spent the year, uh, learning how to code and I built a website, which was basically, um, I hosted about 68 horror movies for people to watch for free, mostly public domain stuff. Some things that the, the rights were ambiguous or were out of country and people wouldn't dispute it. And I, I, I created this website where people could just go online and click and, and watch these horror movies. And um, I started adding reviews. And, I mean, this was all this was all a year-long attempt just to be able to get a press pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I created this website. That's I, why we have this website now. Yeah. <laughs> I did some I reviews. I for my ticket. And then... Um, uh, D. Carey Pryor, the guy that did the uh, spear effects for Phantasms 2 through mm. 4, um, he had just recently made a movie called The Revenant. Mm. Um, and he was like, oh, Midnight Movie. So you host Midnight Movies? Like, you want to host my movie in Portland? And I was like, sure. <laughs> uh, so I rented out uh, the Hollywood Theater. and Beautiful I lost, theater. Yeah, I lost my ass on that. Um, but I did a screening and then, so I used that and that website as credentials to get my first press pass for Crypticon. That was the first year that we were at the Hilton and SeaTac. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I was a total amateur. Um, I, I was, yeah, I was just a total amateur and, um, I learned a lot. I actually interviewed some of the people that, um, were panelists just because I, I used it as, you know, pretext into figuring out how they got involved as panelists. You know, we had some people that year that were writing for Fangoria or had written for Fangoria and Dread Central, and I'm just like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna pick your brain, I'm going to learn what I can, I'm going to work on it. <clears throat> and it was, um, yeah, it was really interesting. Now, the next year, um, I wasn't as confident with my press stuff, so I didn't, I didn't submit for a press pass, and I just paid to come up on Sunday and... Um, I really wanted to meet Don Coscarelli. He was and, so nice. And because um, I'm a huge fan, I know we are all Phantasm <laughs> oh, yeah. fans here. We, you know, I think we've all watched at least one Phantasm movie together. <laughs> um, and that's the year that I met Tony. And Tony doesn't remember this, and most normal people don't remember shit like this. But I watched Tony 
do an interview, and I, I don't remember who it was. It was maybe Linnea Quigley. Did you do Linnea Quigley that year? No, that year it was Coscarelli, um, D. Wallace, um, Marilyn Burns, and Richard Keel. Because okay. Tom did Linnea. They actually have a photo yeah, of that. I think Tom. So it was maybe Linnea. after the Don Coscarelli panel that I went and I, I stopped you in the hall, and I, I started asking you about you know how you got involved in the con, because uh, I was really impressed. And um, that was my first interaction with Tony. I remember it pretty well. And the next year, I was like, fuck this. I'm buttoning down. I'm going to get hired onto a real site. And I got hired on to watch, play, read, to write. Um, and so I started doing the press thing, um, like full bore at that point. Um, but I was still too proud to ask to be a panelist. <laughs> um, so I just kept showing up, and I did the press thing, and i do my interviews, and I'd write... Um, articles and at that point I started doing freelance PR work for the movie studios because um, I had become an accredited film critic at that point mm -hmm. and a lot of the the companies that run the you know they, that set up the screenings for the movie studios they look for a lot of these people to basically do freelance PR work for them so I started doing a lot of that freelance PR work and I wound up with boxes and boxes of promotional shit so I contacted Crypticon and I'm like you guys got, like, you know, you guys got to use for some of this shit. And um, that's how I got my in there. And then finally, after years of not wanting to ask to be a panelist, I finally contacted Eric Morgan. And I was just like, dude, I want to be a panelist. He's like, yeah, man. Why are you a panelist yet? I'm like, no, no joke. Um, and uh, Eric is the guy who runs the film festival. Uh, he has his own podcast, Strange, uh, Strange, Strange Eons, Eons Radio. Uh, which Tony was on recently, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, uh, talking check, about check Phantasm. Yeah, so yeah, 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 so check them out. Uh, so well, Strange shit, Eons. Uh, that's how I became a panelist, too, as I just asked Jason, I'm like, can I be on a panel? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> was Eric running panels at the time, or was this kind of... Un I, that, I, think that was the, I think that was the first year that Lorelai was running oh, okay. panels. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric had run panels uh, originally. Was he, wasn't he the first? I believe so. Uh, he definitely was the year in Everett and on. I don't know if he was before that. Uh, there's definitely a lot of... Uh, even though I am uh, straight up the ass of Crypticon, uh, there's a lot of like gray areas that... Um, you, if you ask one person, they'll tell you a completely different story of who was in charge of what or who was involved in what. And it's, um, it's just the organization has so many um, people involved in organizing yeah. it. Sorry, exactly. you sound redundant, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, I believe Eric was was the first, and um, yeah. So when I came on, it was Lorelai. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really cool. And by the second year, um, I took over as the uh, panel programmer because uh, I was just really super motivated, too. I know Lorelai was um, feeling very overwhelmed with it, and I can see why. Um, you know, programming the panels is probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever done in my life. Um, it's, um, I think um, the, the worst part about it is being having limited resources and limited amount of um, uh, spots and areas and then having to tell people that you really respect and, and really you know love like I'm sorry like I can't do this panel right or you know telling people that you are associated with that you you genuinely like but you're like I'm sorry like 
I can't add you to a panel this year or I can't do this for you. And you really become this kind of bad guy in your head when you're doing it. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it gets a little overwhelming sometimes. But then when you're in the thick of it and you see you see the panels come to, to fruition and it's just it's it's a labor of love. In the in the nine years I've been going to crypto, I think uh, the year that um, the first year at SeaTac, I think was the first year that I went. Um, maybe the second year, um, but that's the thing I always started going to each time. That like, was the thing I was looking forward to most, like going on panels. And funny enough, seeing Tony, it's like yeah. to, to, Tony's the best interviewer like in in the area. No offense oh, to all the other shock. interviewers that yeah. are there, like Amy the and hell? Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else, but but Tony gets What's it. Jason gets it. chopped liver. No, I was kidding. Uh, like, uh, it's, uh, but it's always fun to meeting the people from that and uh, going to the panels and always the, the, the idiot just sat in the front row and like, I can talk about this movie, <laughs> but not calling it out, not being. <laughs> that the was person. my first um, real love of Crypticon too. Is I I went on a Sunday in 2015 and fell in love with the con because I and I didn't really even know it was the thing until I yeah. went to Comic Con for the first time and that was a, a gift from a friend and I'm like. Okay, well, horror movies, but I probably got something going on. And then 2016, and then I started to make friends, and I made more friends in 2017. And 2018, and here, and here I am now, 2019, making that shit my uh, my honeymoon. Yeah. 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 So we're all celebrating with you. I have mad respect for that, Cody. Yeah. Mad respect. Yeah, I remember your first year. I remember seeing you sitting in the audience and... Um, in, a, in some of the panels and just being very enthusiastic and uh, we kind of talked a little bit the first year that you came yeah and then the second year you came uh was the second year the, the year that you got the vip pass and we sat next to each other at brunch? yep and that's how i met tony yeah yeah and i was just like dude this guy is like the the gen most genuinely nice guy i ever met and you were okay too <laughs> 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 no, but no. I was just like, I want to be friends with this guy, and I think you know, we we hooked up on Facebook, and um, we also became friends for sure. Um, and it was, um, I think that's how we kind of all met. Um, it was well, either I, I wanted the first time I met you uh, was the infamous casket list. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Which and was, I was to this day one of my favorite panels <laughs> ever that you hosted. I yeah. mean, yeah. it was like I had been there for that. I hear so many like legendary stories about it. Yeah. Well, I remember because I didn't want to host it. Uh, I didn't want to moderate it uh, because it was also my first year mm-hmm. paneling. Oh, and I was right. like, I'm already the only woman on here. I don't know. I feel weird about this. But it ended up, again, it, was, it ended up being such a fun it, 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 panel. It's definitely yeah. one of the that best That was the one I've where it was seen. like, you had, you had to say what horror movie character you wanted to have sex with? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Julie from Return of the Living Dead Part 3. <laughs> so you did watch like the first you know thing together. You know what? I, I, would, I would hit that. <laughs> exactly. I'm with you. I'm with you. Shards yeah. and all. Yeah. 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 Second time, Bob. I didn't watch it, so I was a kid. It, it might just out while you're at it, but nah. <laughs> yeah. Penetration goes both ways in the house. <laughs> As it should. Oh, dear. So the funny thing about the, the casket list panel um was originally matt farrer i don't know how to say his last yeah. name Sorry, it's not even, it's every funny. every time we mentioned him on the podcast like i don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> well see the funny thing it i probably shouldn't say that on the air no it, don't it's an alias <laughs> so i don't even think his real name is lefkowitz yeah uh i don't even think he knows how to pronounce it i asked him one time i asked him one time he's like so like what is it he's like well i say this but other people 
and it's just like <laughs> you think that if you were going to really really going to go into this like you would figure this shit out yeah it's been like 10 years since he, he adopted That's this funny. So, I'm sorry for outing you, Matt. Um, now I know. <laughs> but originally, he was the moderator for that. And then, I'm guessing at some point, they had talked to you about being the moderator. Yeah. I think it, I was the last person they came to, and they were just like, like you kind of have to be the moderator. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And I'm like, I'm walking in there, and, you know, uh, being a privileged white male... It's very hard in America today. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I walked into that saying, like, I'm going to walk up there into a crowd of people and, and basically act like a complete pig-headed jerk and talk and, 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 and just objectify women and men. And, it, like, this is hor- like this is going to, like, haunt me. Like, if I ever want to be president, <laughs> you know, like, they're going to be like... Yeah, remember that time that you talked about <laughs> fucking uh, R.J. McCready? Which time? Oh, the one time you said yeah. You didn't nail that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, I was I went in there completely unprepared, completely scared out of my mind, and I like I didn't want to be there. Like I thought about just not showing up, and I walked in there and. I just, I was a total asshole, and apparently I, you know, like, uh, most of the women that I've loved in my life, they really enjoyed it for some strange <laughs> And, um, yeah, and it turned out really, really well. Uh-huh. And um, It was a blast. I mean, yeah. it was so much fun. I guess yeah. really, there was such a wonderful off-the-cuff energy to it that just was right at that time of night. Everyone on stage, you know, you, Kim, were all, like, on fire. Mm-hmm. And making fun cracks, and it just it was very, it was a very fun environment. Yeah, yeah. And then the next year when I that, that became the panel programmer, yeah. I was just like, well, I'm bringing Kim back for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we didn't do it this year. I got a lot of flack um, when I programmed it uh, again for a second time last year from um, some people who felt that it was insensitive. You know, they're like. We, you know, we suggested a lot of these feminist panels and you, you said no. And then here you have a panel about objectifying women. But it wasn't just objectif. I mean, uh-huh. and it, I, that, I, I kindly, I kindly disagree with that sentence. Yeah. Having been a person on it both years, uh-huh. we objectified everyone. And also we objectified them in a fairly tasteful way. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know you you being the token woman on that panel, I totally clung to that. I was like, oh, no, yeah. we're not sexist. Kim said it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hella feminist, yeah, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, it was it was a little scary programming again last year. Um, well, Lorelai was on it last year too. Yeah. I mean, so there, there was more than one woman on the panel. Yeah, Lorelai was on it last year, and I crashed it, um, which <laughs> I was just I was already drinking. And, um, yeah, it still turned out a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, um, I decided to give it a break and, and try something, try something different. We'll probably bring it back again. Uh, I just don't want to be too redundant. I mean, I think there's certain panels that hold up year after year, like mm-hmm. my True Tales of Murder panel. Yeah. Um, which, uh, a little history <clears throat> behind that. I literally created that panel or convinced Lorelai to program that panel on the premise that I just wanted to show uh, a quick 
clip of these Russian kids murdering some homeless people. <laughs> and, oh, I, I know the video you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I found, I stumbled upon this video and I was like, I really want to see how people react to, to watching this. So the whole entire thing was just for me to do this social experiment where I could watch the reactions of people watching someone get murdered um, in a brutal way. And... It's really held up year after year because there is so many interesting murders. And I really love that people come to watch it and see it and and kind of um, really see it. Because a lot of the panelists who put it together don't do the stuff that you see on TV or Netflix and any of these things. You're seeing actual photos of crime scenes and victims. And... um, I, I think that, and this is completely hypocritical, I think that our society has um, this really fucked up view on, on killers and murderers. And we, we make them into celebrities and we glorify what they do. Um, and I do. I certainly do. I have a lot of murder memorabilia and, and books and, and I just, I can't get enough of it. And it's because, you know, for me it's a morbid curiosity and goes back to you know, thinking about my own mortality and, and, and processing that. Um, but I think the True Tales of Murder panel, seeing actually what they did, makes it a lot more real than the rock and roll lifestyle of Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after, I mean, people people talk about Ted Bundy, and even, even if you ask me, I'll talk about how just brilliant of a manipulator he was. And it's almost admirable about how clever and cunning he could be. And then you, you never hear someone stop and say, but he murdered a young girl and raped her. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you got to stop and say, you need, to, you need to put this in perspective. Like, yes, this person is interesting. Yes, this is interesting. But stop talking about this person like, they, uh, like they're good. And I still haven't. I still probably will never... Um, because it's just it's it's a habit. It's hypocritical. But taking a second to to look at what they really did and and see it, um, I think it's important. Well, I mean, because I talk about Bundy specifically on the murder tour that I do for mm-hmm. Spook in Seattle, and I mean we show crime scene photos, and I'm always find it really interesting because I'll start off and I'll show Ted Bundy's picture and people are like yeah. Ted Bundy. And I get to a picture of him where he caved a girl's head in. Mm -hmm. And there is, you know, this photo of her body in her bed with her head completely caved in and blood all around Mm -hmm. her. And there's silence. It's like, yeah, Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, yeah, he, he's a guy everybody knows. He was charming. He was charismatic. He did this. Mm -hmm. He returned to the bodies and he had sex with them. Mm -hmm. He killed little girls. Yep. As well as young women, mm-hmm. that you know, it's. I think it's important uh, when we're talking about it. I feel like, in some ways, showing the true ramifications of what they did helps to demystify them a little bit. Because mm-hmm. when you just talk about them, it's really easy to make them sound glamorous. When you're you're really showing what they did, mm-hmm. or even the one I'm doing this year, um, and I, I haven't found any real. It's a really great crime scene photos yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's an older case, so they there's not as many. But to find out what that case is, you have to come to the panel. <laughs> it was, I think it publicized what which each one were. Yeah, doing. Oh, so yeah, it's not big. Okay, I'm Mary Bell is who I'm doing yeah. for who was a ten year old girl who 
mutilated a couple toddlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wrote, but the, her writings are what I find really disturbing. Is she wrote these journal entries, she drew her own pictures, and, and the stuff that she did, and she's this little kid, mm-hmm. and how fucked up that is. And what, but then what got her to that place? Because mm-hmm. looking into her childhood, you see these these things that led up to this and Bundy is similar you look into his history and you see the things that all contributed to who he became mm-hmm. um, and there's not one specific thing there's not one specific answer I think that says if you do XYZ that's going to create a serial killer but I do think it's interesting to explore where someone took a turn mm-hmm. where there was a point where alright they were maybe predisposed to it but what happened in their life to lead them to that place instead of that place. Mm-hmm. Um, in which, uh, I actually have a Ted Bundy oh, fun fact. Oh, okay. Gone stuff. My, short. my dad's ex-wife went to high school with him and he actually signed her yearbook. Yeah. yeah. So I like to joke that's where it went wrong. One, one, once he signed that yearbook, that was, that was, that was, it took that was, a hard yeah. left turn like murder. Man, it's Tacoma, though, so you're yeah. already predisposed. Yeah. Well, Saying I mean, this is a Tacoma name. Look at Ridgeway, too. Yeah. Ridgeway at least had a three-maggot rule. Yeah, yeah. I, Bundy I, I, did not have any such... No, I'm not kidding. He had a three-maggot rule. Oh, yeah. yeah. And please, please describe. Oh, yeah. If there were more than three maggots, he would not have sex with the corpse. Oh. Bundy did not have this rule. No. But but Ridgeway had some kind of strange standards when it came to revisiting the corpses. If there was more than three maggots, he wasn't interested. Did he have it like written down, like just the three maggot rule? It was. It came up with. Uh, it, it came up when I was watching an interview with one of the detectives involved. So at some point in his interviews, he gave us that gift of information. Mm-hmm. And you can find the True Tales and Murder pod, uh, podcast uh, panel at Saturday at 9 p.m. Yes. Kim Lorelai and Tori Bracken Sinclair. Yeah. And see what they were talking about. Which, uh, uh, but also brings up like the one thing I really appreciate about the con and the panels that you do get the wide variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've been, I haven't been to too many horror cons, but a lot of them, or a lot of the conventions generally like to say, yeah, talk about Jason and Freddy again and again. Mm-hmm. And we do get a wide variety of uh, panels, even... Um, Oh, Supernatural as well, we get, and, and we have weird Pacific Northwest history. And, and, I used to so, do a fucking Giallo panel last year. That's yes. cool shit. So everything is covered by so um, everyone. Just know. out of curiosity, Jason, uh, what are some of the panels that you're kind of proud of or looking forward to? Um, well, I mean, both. yeah, I, we we have a few returning ones. Like obviously, we were talking about the True Tales of Murder. Um, my personal favorite, my baby, is the Morbid Curiosity panel, um, where I talk about. Um, how it's normal to have a uh, an interest in morbid curiosity and talking about it and talking and, and trying to demystify it mm-hmm. as well. Um, we have, I mean, of course, we have all the, the lovely interviews. Almost every celebrity is getting an interview. We have the Filmmakers Workshop, which is coming back this year. Um, and Jonah Ray is going to be involved in it as well as... Uh, uh, Seth Sherwood, the guy who uh, wrote the Leatherface movie oh, yeah. and is the writer on the head writer for um, Lightest Feather. Yeah. Yeah. He's and lovely. Hellfest. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. um, so, him and Jonah Ray are going to be hosting a panel about how to make it in Hollywood. Um, we're going to have. And then uh, you and Tony are both on uh, with him with the Infants of Bad Movies. So yes. excited to see yes. him listed. <laughs> so, this panel. This panel Sorry, I, I, I interrupt you, but oh, yeah, I can't wait for that one. So this is, I, I'm proud of this one, and I'm biased. 
Um, See, this is interesting, though, because I threw out the title, and you, like, totally went in a different direction with, <laughs> with the format of, the, of it than I thought you would. So, see, this is... Which I think is awesome. Actually. So, this is a thing that, that comes up all the time. With us being the nerds that we are, we... There's always overlap uh, panels, mm -hmm. and um, we had a lot of the same idea, and um, since it, since I get a program and I chose mine, <laughs> <laughs> so where this, uh, where this had originally started was um, I showed my seven-year-old daughter the complete Freddy, mm. uh, or not Freddy, uh, the complete Friday the 13th um, catalog, uh, one by one. And when I got up to Jason X, I was not excited about finishing it because I'm not a fan of Jason X. I think it's crap. And I think Freddy vs. Jason is actually even worse crap. <laughs> and and I posted this on Facebook and people went batshit on me. That was a fun conversation. That was an awesome conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well... I'm going to create a panel where I'm going to talk about the movies that I hate and I'm going to just allow people to, to berate me and talk shit about them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. And um, uh, so I, I started compiling movies that I, I hated and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I feel like everyone's going to agree with me. And I was like, wait, Jason, like you thought that when you posted it on <laughs> So I threw, I, I've thrown a couple in there. Like, I'll, I'll give a little hint about some of them. Um, you know, like, I personally, I enjoyed The Witch. But I can talk shit about that. So I chose to. There's going to be a lot of movies that I'm talking shit about that I actually find entertainment value in or enjoy. And, and I'm hoping that Jonah Ray and Tony and uh, Heather Marie Bartles and... Um, Taylor Bertle and uh, Tori Bracken's Claire. Tori, yeah, I, I'm hoping that they can just really tear me a new asshole. <laughs> um, if yeah. somebody says anything bad about Leprechaun, I'm heckling from the crowd. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely on the list. Oh, like, man. My ass is going to be in that seat, so I'll be watching that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that one. There's another one um, on Sunday with uh, Jonah Ray where it's the pitch panel. And uh, people are going to pitch their own ideas for remakes, reboots, their own um, kind of off-universe versions of horror movies. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that one, too. Originally, I put myself on that to fill a spot, but I found someone um, else to, who, who wanted to be on there um, <coughs> who had open time during that. So I put them in there. Um, I wanted to suggest... Now, bear with me. So a couple years ago, we had a panel that was like the best double features. And my suggestion, or my favorite suggestion, was um, Rolling Thunder and Men in Black. Because I view Rolling Thunder as a prequel to Men in Black. Tommy <laughs> mm. <laughs> Lee Jones character, you know, he's, you know, he's a military man. And Rolling Thunder, and you know he helps his buddy get vengeance, and it's like, well, what happens afterwards? Well, he, he didn't leave the military. I figure he, you know, goes on with his life and eventually winds up in the Men in Black. Wow. Um, so my uh, um, my pitch that's I, I'm not on the panel anymore, but my pitch that I wanted to do was a movie that solidified. Uh, my uh, Rolling Thunder trilogy in my mind because I've added to it since. <laughs> so it starts off as Rolling Thunder it then moves into um, The Fugitive and it's actually a quadrilogy. So it goes from him being the Marshal and the Fugitive 
He's, you know, he's, he's had a very interesting life. <laughs> um, to going into Men in Black. And then when he retires, he becomes the sheriff of a small town. <laughs> and, uh, chases down Javier Bardem <laughs> for New Country and Old Men. Uh, so I would like to make a movie that, that fills in those blanks and talks about why he's changing his, um, his name and, and going and doing these things. But, um, yeah, same character. That... Actually, sounds fucking great. That's kind of terrific. That's yeah. like my Linda Carlini one, where it starts as Green Book, it goes into mm. Law Yorona, and it ends in Endgame. <laughs> I'm into that. She just doesn't age. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, never, she doesn't age yeah. somehow throughout that whole part. Yeah. So, An- another one I'm really excited about is your uh, Big Hair, Big Scares panel. Oh, huh. the 80s. Yeah. 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 I look forward I, to that. I've. Um, I've I've gotten similar pitches before that just weren't right, and I've pitched before to Lorelai um, a panel that was kind of the same idea, but it still obviously wasn't right because it didn't get picked up again. And then when I saw your version of it, I was like, that's it. That's what I want. Huh. We're putting it on. And that's probably easy in the, easily in the top three um, panels that I'm most excited about this weekend. Cool. Now, um, you, uh, who are you interviewing this year? I am interviewing Amelia Kincaid. From Night of the Demons. Yeah, originally it was going to be a Night of the Demons panel where I was going to interview Linnea Quigley and uh, Amelia Kincaid, but unfortunately Linnea Quigley had to drop out because of professional uh, commitments. And uh, I'm just going to be working on Amelia Kincaid. Um, I'm also going to be interviewing her. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... um, I'm pretty excited about that. I know her career isn't as um, prolific as Linnea Quigley's, but I'm a big fan of the whole Night of the Demon series. I mean, the original is definitely something right. very special. I think the second and the third ones are, you know, obviously parodies, but I, I think they're still fun enough that we can talk about. And she has, I mean, she was a dancer originally, so I, I think we got a lot of stuff to talk about, um, some of her dancing and choreography, and, and uh, I think it's going to be a... An interesting one, but obviously not as interesting as Barbara Steele. <laughs> Thank you Tony for that. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, so Barbara Steele pop, I was like, that has to be Tony. Yeah. I kind of lobbied a little bit to Jason, and Jason was kind of one step ahead of me and said you were the one who would be doing that. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested in seeing it but, on... Uh, but in, enough yeah. about me paneling. Uh, Jason has paneled, uh, has done celebrity interviews uh, previously. Um, you did the Doug Bradley panel. I did. And I have to say, I was really, uh, I was very impressed with the uh, uh, bits of information that you got out of him. And I mean, some of the really wonderful stories that, that he told about his, like his youth, you know, like during Beatles, in Beatles era England, mm-hmm. which was really cool. What was he like just uh, uh, to talk to and as a oh, person? Horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> um, no, like that was, as far as interviews, I've interviewed a lot of different types of people, a lot of different genres. And, and I mean, uh, I've interviewed, um, Jerry Seinfeld, who I thought was going to be an asshole and was a sweetheart, you know, because I've seen him be an asshole. I've seen him, you know, I've seen him snap. Uh, And he was just a genuinely nice guy. And I've interviewed really, you know, seemingly nice people and they've been assholes. And uh, not to say Doug Bradley is is an asshole. He I mean, he might be. (laughs) But um, 
he was a hard interview and that's that's mostly what what I'm saying by that is he was hard to work off of because he is very cocky he is very sure and he was not afraid to fuck with me I don't know <laughs> if you remember in the interview I um, I asked him about his voice and and about how he um, you know how he got his voice for the um, for Pinhead, mm. and he's like, it's called acting, and I was just oh like, God. I was like, oh shit, this is off the rails. I'm done. Like, <laughs> like I was looking for the exit, and I was just like, shit. And he go, you know, he was, he seemed very sincere about it, and he went on to the story, basically making me feel like an asshole. And then he followed it up with, well, we did a bunch of audio editing on it in the first one, and then they couldn't remember how to do it, so the second one and on is all different. If you notice, and I'm like. Why couldn't you just send that in the fucking yeah. beginning? <laughs> Why? Like, these people think I'm a, I'm a fucking amateur. I have to say, as an actor, that's a dick answer. Yeah. Like, it really is. Because, mm-hmm. like, well, someone's asking... It, well, no, I mean, someone's asking you a genuine question about how you do something. I mean, yeah, no shit, it's called acting. Like, mm-hmm. no, that they know that. They're mm-hmm. not idiots. They want an insight into the process or into how you achieve something. That's a dick answer. Yeah. Well, and one thing that I've noticed, and fortunately when I've done celebrity interviews on panels, they've been, you know, they've worked in my favor, is sometimes it is necessary to ask a seemingly obvious question mm-hmm. because oftentimes you will get an interesting branch of answers out of it. Right. Um, there's There are certain things that are expected of you when you're interviewing a specific celebrity. I mean, you, it's not like you're going to go on and interview Doug Bradley and like not talk about Pinhead. No. Mm-hmm. Especially the only thing about Pinhead yeah. three. It's anything you need. <laughs> <laughs> talk about just fucking Wrong Turn five. So yeah. what was it like? Was <laughs> <laughs> it like working in these sequels in Romania? <laughs> but do you have any other? I'm I'm just curious now. Um, do you have any other interesting uh, battle stories as far as celebrity interviews? Oh, uh, I have a really great one. Uh, I traveled down to Salt Lake City one year to do a convention and um, I had a really great I, I went to his hotel and I had like a three and a half hour long interview with Mick Garris and it was fun and it was great and uh, I of course got in trouble because he gave me too much information and was pissed when I actually published it <laughs> um, but uh, interesting wise was meeting Elvira there mm. so I was waiting for my interview time uh, to talk to her and um, Salt Lake City comic-con is next to a a bunch of military bases and i think it was the the naval one was somehow involved and they they sent a couple of um i don't know if they were officers they were dressed very nicely but they were still young guys you know they were about six three six four handsome as fuck chiseled and they're just standing around getting to talk to elvira because it was part of some some promotional deal that they worked with the the military base letting you know a few guys come and and meet a few celebrities prior to the convention starting and i'm sitting there waiting for her to wrap up with these three hunky ass men and um my you know it's going over my time i'm like watching my watch and she's you know she's taking pictures and hugging them and feeling their muscles and um, she finally gets done with them and starts to interview, and I'm just like, how do I compete with that? <laughs> and I start asking her questions about, you know, Pee-wee and being a groundling and working with Cheech and Chong, and she's just giving me, like, two-word answers. And I know that she's 
you know, she's done some really great interviews at Crypticon, not only on the stage, but with a, a lot of the guys I know that interviewed her, um, you know, in the press room or on the floor. And I know that she gives a great interview and I know that she's a great people person, but uh, having those those dudes just sidelined me, man, it was it was awful. And then um, six months later, I got an email from her publicist asking if I would do a, a Skype interview with her about uh, her new version of her show at Knox, not Sperry, Scary Farm mm-hmm. uh, for the Halloween uh, show that they do. And I was just like, I already ruined that one. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to go on um, thinking of her as I did when I was five and she was my first crush and I was in love with her which I also told her during the interview and she was equally unimpressed by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say when it comes to her, uh, my favorite com- uh, memories from Crypticon is uh, her table was right next to the um, one of the couple times she was there. She's there twice, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah. Uh, she was next to the and dance floor. both times. <laughs> She's a, regular. She was next to the dance floor in the center that we had various events on so I, I started doing Crypticon because of Rocky Horror. We, we We'd come out there, we do the show on um, midnight on Friday. Um, and then, so we, we were sitting there, we, we did time warp, and she got up and did it with us, and that was amazing time. Okay, of that's, that's doing awesome. the time warp with Elvira. I've never heard that story. Yeah. That is right. That is she didn't really get up like, with us, but she stood up from her table and walked a little closer, and we kind of came close to her, so it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's enough to say doing the time warp with Elvira. Okay, is, 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 so is does that mean I can claim that I went on a date with her? Yeah, sure. Good. Okay. <laughs> Hey, she felt me up in my second interview with her. Yeah, well, yeah. can you blame her, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> but enough about my experiences. Um, so um, tell us a little bit. I'm curious about kind of uh, how you got into horror in general and kind of what some of your favorites are. Uh, so, yeah, this is another interesting story. Um and I've told this story to mixed results, so I'm kind of interesting, interested to see how you guys are going to respond to it. And all Kim's going to shit on it. Let's know it. Um, so this is where Kim says, "Fuck off, Cody." Uh, Fuck you, Big C. I'll allow it. <laughs> but anyway, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, Continue. So I mean, I was a kid in the '80s when obviously horror was huge. Um, and when I was three, uh, me and my, my older brother were babysat a lot by our, our cousin. And, um, God, I don't even, this is pretty serious. <laughs> um, so my cousin um, was doing inappropriate things with my older brother. Hmm. And she put me in front of the TV um, and Hellraiser was on. And I'm three years old and I watched Hellraiser all the way through. Huh. And then that same year, um, I saw a nightmare on Elm Street. Um, this is this is you know about eighty eight, I believe. Um, yeah, so I was like three, going on four, and um, it just I was fascinated. And then that same year, I saw uh, Poltergeist, mm-hmm. The Shining, mm-hmm. and so from from there, like you know, I just didn't have supervision because you know. I my babysitter was shit and my mom rented horror movies and left them in the VCR <laughs> and that was you know like you sit in front of the TV and you watch this and we're going to go out and, and and do fun shit and you you just deal with this and I was more than fine with it and um yeah my mom didn't have a lot of boundaries um 
with what I watched growing up. The only movie she ever stopped me from watching was when I was in third grade when um, John Travolta shoots up in uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> she was like, I don't want you to see that. I'm like, really, Mom? That's where the line's at. That's where it's like, uh, you Just know. say no, Jason. Just yeah. say no. Yeah. Dare. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I mean, I grew up with a mom that um, loved horror movies and would watch horror movies with me. I remember... Um, when I was seven, um, um, part four of Friday the 13th was on TV and she had me stay up late with her and watch it. And, um, that's what inspired me to do the whole series with my daughter this year when she was seven. Um, yeah, I, I just, I grew up watching it. I think the biggest turning point in my life with horror movies though was when I was 12 and, um, Joe Bob showed Mm. all the Phantasm movies. Hmm. And I watched the first Phantasm movie, and it um, the the first night it was Friday night. It, he showed the first one and the second one, and I I had a horrible insomnia from the time I was uh, a little kid. And um, my parents let me have a TV in my room, which is a dumb idea. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm 12 years old. I watch Phantasm, and it just changes my life. Like everything about how I think about things, how I view things. And I just, I had to watch Joe Bob every weekend. I did grow up watching Up All Night when I was even yeah. younger. Yes, like, yeah. that was, did. <laughs> you know, that was, yeah, a, that was a big thing, you know, uh, Up All Night, The Hitchhiker. Or, I used to watch, my mom and I used to, my mom and I used to watch Hitchhiker yeah. together. Yeah. I, I grew up watching horror with my mom, too. Yeah, my dad doesn't like yeah, it, but my mom same. does. Yeah. With my mom? I grew up, yeah, <laughs> I grew up dragging my mom. To, to horror movies in the theater, but yeah. that's a whole nother story. Oh, yeah, my mom and I love watching Hitchhiker. Yeah. My dad and I shared a horror bond, too. <laughs> Squirm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched it in black and white? No. Squirm? No. In black and white? So, yeah. So, um, who directed it? Uh, Joe Lieberman. Lieberman. Uh, Jeff Lieberman. Yeah. Jeff Lieberman, yeah. Yeah, Le- Lieberman. I've, who I've tried to get to the person. con, uh, and it's not because he's not willing to come. It's because it, it's always... You know, we get this giant list of people, and I'm like, dude, Lieberman's selling it as his own autograph on his own website. Let's get him to the call. <laughs> <laughs> like, please. Um, but he watched, he was in New York one night for some kind of promotional thing, and the, the hotel he was in was a black and white TV, and they showed Squirm on it. And he's like, this is how my movie was meant to be watched. So if you can watch it in black and white, it, I mean, I like Squirm. It's a little boring and dry at points. Black and white, it is so much better. I'll have to because I have the I have the Blu-ray of it. I uh, have the DVD. I need to check. I'll out. have to do that next time I watch it because that, that's literally that's the first horror film I have a memory of seeing with my mom. Uh, when they used to, she used to watch the like two p.m. on the weekends. They'd run horror films on on the local stations. So I saw Squirm and Piranhas, and there was one with the Slugs and. Uh, all of these, mostly like creature features, creature features. Yeah. and I loved them. And because they were on TV, they were okay to watch because <laughs> they're you know they're kind of edited for television ish. Uh-huh. Um, but Squirm specifically has always stayed with me because that's the first one I have such vivid memories of seeing Piranha right after that. Mm-hmm. And from there it was Friday the Thirteenth because they used to run Friday the Thirteenth marathons, mm-hmm. and USA used to air them. And I had fairly little supervision about what we watched. In the summertime, my brother and I were allowed to stay up all night if we wanted. Yeah. Um, and not in a, like, I don't know. My parents, I think part of their philosophy was we don't have any of the pay. Like, we have cable, but 
we don't have HBO. We don't have anything that it's all edited for TV. What's the worst thing they could see? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I used to watch the Friday the Thirteenth movies, <coughs> and um, and my mom was a big horror person too. And my dad is always like, I don't understand this. I'm the same. That's my dad. You, my dad's you're like, describing my childhood <laughs> nearly like verbatim. Yeah. I showed my dad Halloween. He's gonna follow it. He's like, so what else, <laughs> Jason? What are some of your other favorites? I mean, as you're as as you've as you've grown through the years as a horror fan, um, what are some of the favorites that? that have kind of stayed with you? What are some of the things that you've discovered recently? Kind of what's your journey as a horror fan, as a horror film fan? So I think my earliest favorites were the Friday the 13th, uh, not only because, you know, the killer's name is Jason, but (laughs) um, there's just, to me, it's still the best horror movie franchise ever. And, you know, that's certainly arguable, but I love it. And that kind of, that transformed into Phantasm. Phantasm was my favorite for the longest time. Um, And it's still in my top five. Um, There was a long time where um, Reanimator, and uh, I got really into Gordon and Yuzna, and um, that was a big thing for me. Um, There was a long time where Last House on the Left was my favorite movie. And uh, a lot of people can't understand that. For me, I rented it when I was in seventh grade because my older brother worked at a video store and I got 50 cent tape rentals and I just went in there and I just, I would get them by the dozen. Um, And I watched Last House on the Left specifically because it was uh, Craven's first film. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm in seventh grade, so that's about 13. Yeah, I'm 13 years old. And I bring it home and I'm watching it and I'm just like, titties. Fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is quite the right reaction. Enough, yeah. So like I'm You're just, 13. I'm yeah. like, you yeah. have your priorities. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm 30 something. <laughs> I'm 30 30 math. I'm like 34-ish. And now and, and, <laughs> ish and, 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 and like titties are still great. Like, don't get me wrong. Who doesn't love titties? But I'm a fan. Yeah. Um so I, I started, I'm like, this is great. And then you start seeing all these these beautiful like late summer shots of New Jersey and I've never been in New Jersey but I've seen New Jersey a lot in horror films obviously because Wes Craven there's a reason for that and Sean Cunningham yeah well and it's it's New Jersey it's New Jersey yeah that's all it needs um so I'm watching like I'm seeing these just beautiful sweeping shots of wilderness and nature and even though it's it's grainy and shot on 16 millimeter and, and and everything's just been cut to shit. You can tell that it's been transferred from just horrible cut up versions and it's still just so beautiful and then so disgusting. Uh-huh. And it made me feel these really mixed feelings I had never felt before when I was 13. And I had a really visceral reaction to it and it stuck with me for a long time. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I I planned my funeral since I was a teenager, <laughs> and for and I, I updated quite often. But there was a long period of time where it was like my funeral is required to have a showing of uh, Last House on the Left, so I can make everybody actually sit down, watch it, and they'll all be sad because I'm dead. Hopefully, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> they, they'll actually sit there and maybe try to appreciate what I appreciated about it because a lot of people really hate it or find it boring or think it's stupid or disgusting. Um, but I think it's, um, I think it's on a whole different level, whether it means to be or not. Um, so that was a thing for a while. Also Uh, titties. Titties. (laughs) Um, The Shining is my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, my son's middle name is Kubrick. Um, 
I love The Shining. Um, I've recently become obsessed with Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The first time I watched Manhunter, I was like, this is not... This is not okay. Hannibal Lecter. Fuck you. You know, I was young. I was stupid. And I couldn't appreciate Michael Mann at the time. And then one night, I stayed up late. And, you know, someone someone that I had a crush on was like, no, Manhunter's way better. Way better than any of the other movies. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> and I'm like, but you're cute, so I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so I, uh, I put on my headphones, and, and I sat there, and I watched it in bed while uh, my wife was sleeping. And I'm just, I'm listening to it, and I'm listening to the sounds, and I'm watching it very closely and very brightly in front of my face. And I, I just became obsessed with it. And there's a lot of bad acting in it and there's a lot of fucking amazing acting in it it's just it's crazy like the like they the difference in acting i don't know if it's because the good actors are so great Mm. and the it makes the the mediocre actors look so bad but i've been i've become pretty obsessed with manhunter as of the last couple of years it was fun watching it on the screen in your backyard for your party birthday party two years ago well it's incredible it's incredibly stylish i mean it's just so captivating visual i saw it first run in a theater and that's and and that contributed to me like falling in love with the movie Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's good choice man good choice what else what's floating your boat lately man uh, well, I don't get a lot of time to watch movies because Crypticon planning is a year-long event. Um, I mean, I don't even get to review movies that often anymore, um, and just because I'm so dedicated to Crypticon. Uh, I think one newer movie that is extremely underrated right now, I'm surprised that um, you know a lot of people who made their best of uh, 2018 lists... Um, Last year, we're like, left it off. And I'm like, why'd you leave it off? And they're like, eh, it was just okay. But I fucking loved Summer of 84. I've watched it like three times now. I showed it to my daughter. I fucking love that movie. I'm in the, it was just okay. Camp, but. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, me neither. So, I like the concept. I didn't think it was incredibly well executed. But I need to maybe we watch it again with it, like knowing what it is coming. So they kind of, like, oh, the guy's made Turbo Kids. It's making something maybe different coming in. Mm-hmm. So I need to re-give it another go. I feel like it was a lot like, I don't know, the Goonies meet, you know, finding a murderer. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was, it reminded me a lot of my, my childhood summers where, you know, you go out and you stay out late and you snoop on people and you do shit you're not supposed to. And I don't know. And I'm just, I, I don't, I don't get, I, I may, it's, it's probably just a personal thing mm-hmm. for me. It's probably, I, I relate to it from my childhood, but Summer of 84 was just amazing to me. I hope we don't bring it up on the best of list of 2018. For so what's been panel. your favorite Crypticon ever? I mean, all of them have had really great elements. Um, last year was extremely frustrating for me, uh, all the way up into the parties, and the parties were the best parties for me. Um Mostly because I was just trashed out of my fucking <laughs> I hear that. Um, oh, amen, brother. Yeah. And um, yeah. I want to say my first year that I did panels was probably my favorite for doing <clears throat> panels. Um, 
I because I really focused on that. I focused on the panels almost completely. I did the uh, who would win in a fight, and I actually made like a a big bracket, and like <laughs> you know, I did blood splatter across it, and it was a lot of fun. And that was the first year that I did um, the True Tales of Murder. That was the first year that I did my Morbid Curiosity panel, and um, yeah, so that was that was three or four years ago. That was my favorite year for for paneling. Um, so yeah, probably the, between those two years. I mean, um, obviously, as I get more involved and in, and more responsible with the con, it opens up you know more access to events like the VIP parties and stuff. And uh, the VIP parties are, are really cool. Um, we sold out of the tickets like like that this year. And yeah, uh, the dealer. I wanted to do that fast. so bad, but since I'm buying for me and Carolyn, we just did the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the silver. Those those can get really fun when you get the celebrities there. Mm-hmm. I still feel bad for Russ Streiner and John Amplis. I cornered those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and I had pictures of my guinea pigs and I they were getting them. <laughs> they were getting them. And I bet you, I bet you that John Amplis sincerely enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah He gave me a hug on the way yeah. out. Like, I'm, like, he's like, you take Take care of yourself, and I hope your guinea pigs do wonderful. And he gave me a hug, and I'm like, the thing is, next time he's at con, he'll probably remember you. And <laughs> he likes, he wishes me a happy birthday every year on fucking Facebook. Yeah. Aww. John Amplis is like one of the most amazing human beings. Uh, and I was so excited um, when I chose myself to interview him. Because <laughs> uh, to me, Martin is like the most innovative vampire movie ever i mean it's it's brilliant i think it's i think it's the greatest indie movie that happens to be a horror movie of the 70s oh yeah i mean and he's incredible in it yeah i mean you you got typical vampire and there's been some good iterations of vampire movies you you know near dark is oh yeah great yeah uh who doesn't love twilight (laughs) (laughs) fuck you cody Uh, you know the Lost Boys. Lost Boys yeah. was a huge part of my childhood, and I love that. And I mean, obviously, you can't compete with Dracula or Nosferatu, but um, there's something very different and special about Martin. And for me, why I find it um, so special is I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in anything supernatural, and to have that da- like have that be like, okay, this guy's mentally ill. And that's definitely the ending that I go with in my mind, is this guy's mentally ill, his uncle's mentally ill, he's got a fucked up family, and for me it's like, this is this is a, a real glimpse uh, of what a, a real vampire is. And um, so I loved it for that, and I loved interviewing John because the guy is just the nicest dude in the world. Oh God, like I walked over to get a free picture with him when I, when I met him in 2017, and next thing I know, I bought an autograph and everything. <laughs> he was it's just like, so goddamn <laughs> nice. He's like flashes for you. Yeah. I did that. Now holding the figure from like, yeah. You know, I got the figure. Yeah, too. I was like, face, like, how this happen? Fuck, where'd my fifty dollars go? But like uh, a couple years ago, I was in a I was doing a vampire film class at uh, SU when I was working on my degree, and uh, we did Martin. So I sent um, I sent John a message like, "Dude, can we talk about it?" So he gave me his phone number. I called him. I was at a convention somewhere else. Uh, he was at some other con, and I called him during that. So he stopped at the convention to talk to me for forty five minutes on the phone. Oh, wow. Went back to the convention. <laughs> he might have been like you know in the room before the night before flying right. out or something. Yeah, but he was involved with other con. He get stopped to this day to talk to me about this movie, you know, and then went back to whatever he's doing. It's like, I think it's from where he's still being this phone, but ah. <laughs> I never get to text him, but still. So I, I'm curious. Um, 
Do you have any input in the actual celebrities who are booked? Is that something that you contribute to? Um, I contribute to almost everything except for the vendor room. Like, I stay away from the vendors too, just too much for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do. Um, there's pet people that I have every year that I push for and I, um, I fight for, and I usually at least get one or two of them. Um, last year, it was... Crampton and and Combs was my big thing because I'm a huge reanimator fan. Um, you know, it's not that I necessarily come up with these people. Um, some of them I do. Some of them I think of and I push for them. Uh, some of them they're on a list or they're a possibility, and you know they're like, oh well, you know, they're a little expensive or this or that, and I'm just like, you know, I go full bore on it, like. You fuckers owe me. I do all this work. I want Barbara Crampton here. And if you're getting Crampton, you better fucking get combs. It's not as serious as that. It's more like, please, please, please. Um, you know, uh, this year, um, Amelia Kincaid was brought up and as a, as a maybe. And I was like, you got you to get it. <laughs> like, if we have Linnea Quigley, you have to have Amelia Kincaid. And, um, you know, I was certainly bummed when Linnea Quigley dropped out, but I'm still excited about Amelia Kincaid. Um, also, Harry Manfredini was... I See, that was a, that was really yeah. cool. First of all, I, I think I've seen yeah, That's not like... the most obvious person for a convention, mm-hmm. but what a great inspired... And I'm glad you have um, Sami Turin, mm-hmm. uh, who's a composer himself, doing the interview. I think that should be really awesome. Yeah, uh, Manfredini was brought, us, brought up to me. He was the first one brought up to me this year, and he was the last person announced... Um, and there was, we just went back and forth on like scheduling things and it, you know, it was like a, maybe looks very positive. It's not looking good. You know, it was going around as, you know, scheduling celebrities with their busy schedule goes. It's, that's just how it is. And I just, the whole entire time was like, I want him, I want him to do a interview with uh, semi and like, I, I push for him big time. So this year, the the two that were were, I, I won't can't really say mine, but the the ones that I was pushing the hardest for were Manfredini and um, Angela from Night of the Demons, Amelia Kincaid. I mean, I'm gonna say I, I'm excited excited about Ray Wise. I've, I've told yeah, I've said this story too. before, and, I, and I've said each year before. Like so, uh, Aaron Severe and, and Ryan Fudge, and people who've been involved with the con forever, as long as mm-hmm. I've been doing Rocky and know them. And uh, I used to have this long-running joke with Aaron where every week I'd ask her at Rocky's, like, so you guys got uh, Ray Wise yet? And she'd tell me, like, oh, we got a good person coming up. I was like, is it Ray Wise? If not Ray Wise, I don't give a shit. <laughs> now we have him, so I don't know who I'm supposed to, to bug her about now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there was a night at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, you were like, you should get Ray Wise. Yeah. <laughs> and it was my like, joke continuing. That helps. Now Lynn Shea's my, my push. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm like, I am not the Twin Peaks guy. I enjoy Twin Peaks, but uh, Steve uh, Lang, who does booking mm. our celebrities, he's the he's the Twin Peaks guy. And I'm he's like, a Twin Peaks guru. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... And, and Boy, is Ray Wise going to be surprised when he signs my God's Not Dead 2 TV <laughs> this year? <laughs> I love seeing um, uh, Amy Simon, who does the Stephen King retrospective on the site with us uh, at cdp.com, uh, do this interview because she's a huge Twin Peaks fan. Last year she did uh, um, Andy and Lucy from Oh, um, uh, that was a great interview Peaks. too. Yeah. That, was a, that was a hoot. Yeah. Yeah, so she was a shoo-in to do the, the Twin Peaks interview this year and... Um, She's also interviewing uh, D. Wallace. D. Wallace, yeah. yeah. I, uh, when who's wonderful. Yeah, uh, and when we when we signed D. Wallace, I knew I had to have her do that too because 
um, at one of her birthday parties, she showed the howling, and mm. you know, she talked about how much she loved Dee Wallace, and you know, I, I just had to give it to her because she's a great interviewer. Um, and, you know, she's going to do a much better job than Tony did. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, sure she will. Tony did an amazing job interviewing um, her. So do you guys want to see uh, the cover for the program this year? Yes! Uh, so, so Nick, Visual part of the podcast. <laughs> so Nick, Nick Gucker, who's going to be a, an artist guest this year. Um, oh, Nick, he's great. He's done work for Mad Magazine mm. and Heavy Metal. He does our cover for the program every year. And um, here it is. Ooh. It's actually my favorite. Oh, that's beautiful. It's my favorite. Oh, that's. I love it. Yeah. People at home are like, oh, what? Uh, <laughs> like, why can't we well, see Well, everyone at home is going to be at con in like when, two days. When, so. when does this come out? Come to CryptoCon. Uh, May 1st. I was going to say, it comes uh, okay. out in like yeah. Yeah. Two, okay. days. two days. Yeah. Wait, did we, did we get our ad in to the, the I said it to him. Yeah. 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 I said then. I got you guys in there. The City of Geek. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking like laminate that shit. That, sh- that shit's going on the wall the, with my own autograph on there to make me feel important. <laughs> I look forward to seeing uh, Tony's interview with four of the guests from um, from X Files. That's four people you got to juggle. That's gonna be interesting to watch. Yeah. With, uh, William B. Davis, who plays the cigarette smoking man, and uh, Mitch Plague, uh, Miss Plague from uh, Skinner, director Skinner, and he's on Shocker. Um, yes, Shocker, Annabeth which Gale. is a Shocker. Yeah, I love Shocker. That, I, that's who I'm. I'm love, super stoked. Yes. About. Yes, I love... Because my mom's coming on Friday to see my panel. <gasps> That's right. Oh, cool. She loves uh, Mitch Pelagi, and I'm like, dude, shocker, and she likes him from the X-File. I'm like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get a picture with him together. He could be yeah. your new stepdad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Long to run off of them. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. One of the wonderful and yet paradoxically frustrating things about doing a group panel like that is that all four of the actors who are on stage have more than interesting enough resumes to warrant a like a panel by themselves to balance um, the... but it's really it's it's also really fun to get four individual perspectives on a classic and long-running TV show mm-hmm. especially I'm especially interested in uh, talking to Annabeth Gish who a has had a great 30 year long career and B um, was part of the latter portion of the X Files, which is less maligned or more maligned, I yeah. should say. But I think uh, kind of underrated. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, so with hindsight, so, those episodes really yeah, hold. I think up. a lot of people checked out of those. Like, oh, I don't see the people I, I love, but no, there's still good stuff. Yeah, I like I like the her and Robert Patrick and everything. And yeah, uh, I agree. And she was just in the Haunting of Hill House last year, yeah. so she's been good. She's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we didn't mention Nicholas Lay, but uh, from yes, Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas, Krychek, uh, Alex Krychek himself. Uh, I'm also really excited about Jonah Ray from Mystery Science. I'm a huge oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Wise, Cheryl Lee, a, a couple from uh, Friday the Thirteenth series, that Amy Amy Steele and Adrian King. I yeah. see. Uh, I'm really excited about both of yeah. whom I've had massive crushes on as a kid. So. <laughs> So, I was a little bummed when the interview went, went to somebody else because I was like thinking, oh. And also so, CJ Graham also from Friday the here's, here's the thing. When I pick um, who interviews each person, it's always really hard for me. I always, when when we find out who we're getting, I'm like, fuck, I'm taking that person. I'm, I I deserve it. I get it this year. And it always, <laughs> I always, I always give it to you because I'm like, Tony's Tony's gonna do a better job than me on this because oh, he knows fuck. more of their work. He's he's gonna he's he deserves it. Um, I like Barbara Steele. I don't think I was ever um, in the running for in my head in the running to interview her just because I 
I'm not as familiar with her career as um, I believe you to be, but mm-hmm. I, I do. I love she's the original scream scream queen. Um, but I, I there was never a question when that name popped up. But this year, my my one want was was um, Amy Steele and um, Adrian King. Adrian King. Yeah. Because uh, I love Friday the Thirteenth, and um, I really wanted my daughter to love Guinea. Like I, <laughs> she's she's my favorite final girl. Yeah. And um, I wanted that, but knowing Heather and and her discussions about oh she's oh, brilliant. Yeah. Heather's a perfect yeah. person yeah. to be interviewing for that panel. Yeah, and and knowing the, you know what she's done with Shriek and what she's doing with her new series and and talking about you know gender roles and mm-hmm. and feminism and and film, um, I. I was like, I got to put these two together. I got to make a discussion about Final Girls, and then I got to manage to do a screening of the one movie that they're in together, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, which is also my favorite in the series. Mm. Um, it's great. Yeah, so yeah you, I think really it's my third favorite, but it's way, way up there. Well, I think it's underappreciated. I mm-hmm. think of, oh, yeah. of the Friday the Thirteenth movies too. Yeah, I think it's really easy to say that the fourth one is the best, and I agree, the fourth one is the best. But my favorite is number two. Everybody's sleeping on Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> I have a deep, deep love for Jason Takes Toronto. <laughs> I have a deep love for that movie. Uh, for just the sheer... When I got Kane Hodder's autograph, I got the one where he's on the boat. Uh, like, ahoy, mateys. <laughs> sign that. Do it. Do it. So, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's great that you got um, Adrian King and Amy Steele um, to, do, to do that panel. I think it's really cool. Um, I know Adrian King has has done Crypticon before, but uh, isn't the, is this Amy Steele's first? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. I mean, she just she just always had. I mean, both of them, but I think especially Amy Steele had that girl next door look that was just like incredibly <laughs> enchanting, and I mm-hmm. think made her like one of the most effective final girls. I think in one of the eighty slasher movies. Between that and uh, April Fool's Day, and oh yeah. yeah. And CJ Graham will be there, played uh, Jason in part six. Uh, he's a, I met him before at, I think, at a Fango convention, and he was a really fun guy. And he'll be in costume for part of that, right? He'll be uh, doing a photo op. Yeah. In costume. Yeah. And then there's also, um, I sponsored a class this year for you to, people can make a actual, like, screen, yeah. like, screen quality prop uh, Jason mask from part six, the one that he wore. And um, when you're done with it, you can go down and, you know, go to his table and, and have him autograph it. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be fun to have uh, C.J. Graham back. He uh, he was a lot of fun the first time he was here. Oh, yeah, I remember him for a couple of years ago, yeah. So just out of curiosity, it, it, assuming you can divulge this, um, are there any gets that you that you haven't gotten yet? Any, any guests that you would like to get that you haven't gotten yet that you can so, share with us? I actually, the second that Crypticon ended last year, I started creating a business plan, a full-on business plan, and I presented it, and I convinced um, the owners of Crypticon to go for it, um, to bring in... um, You can tell how exhausted I am right now. (laughs) Um, John Carpenter. Oh, fuck. So I, I convinced them to go for it. We tried to work we tried to work towards it. When we got the numbers back, it was not only more than we expected, it was more than we've paid for 
every single guest we've ever had. Oh wow! Combined. Holy oh wow! And um, we just we couldn't do it. We were not that big enough yet. We just couldn't do it. And um, my business plan was um, set for what I what was rumored for him to cost. And um, yeah, it was it was not even a quarter of that. Oh wow! Wow. Um, so. Uh, and that's the thing is, is Carpenter is at a point in his career where he doesn't have to do these things. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it costs a premium because, you know, he'd rather be creating music and playing video games and, <laughs> and, yep. you know, he's certainly, he's earned that, that point in his life. Uh, so, you know, good for him. I'd still love to have him one day. Um, there's. Another person that we've almost got a couple of times that has eluded us either because of prior commitments or um, by the time we started talking, our, our budget was uh, not where it needed to be to get him, um, but we're hoping to get him next year and um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'll just say that... Uh, ooh. How to give a hint. <laughs> <laughs> As we all lean yeah. in. You, you yes. don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is um, an amazing voice actor. We'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and also another one that's in that situation is an amazing author. Um, so we're still working on them. Um, I'd really like to get Stuart Gordon. Um, Stuart Gordon was one that I pushed for last year and... Um, we weren't able to make work out. Um, Jeremy Salinger That'd be cool. um, has been brought up a few times, and I'd love to. But, you know, people who are currently working all the time are really yeah. hard to get. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, people bring up Jordan Peele, and I'm just like, you're high. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're fucking That's, high. But that and would, please share. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Um, someone who we... If any irons in the fire is... Um, Daniel Toro. Well, yeah, he's not gonna have time. To yeah. Well, also, I mean, there's also the people who I don't see them doing a whole lot of con- yeah. conventions because they don't need to. I mean, unless it's for the love of it. Mm. I've uh, always wanted to see Robert England. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. he would be. Yeah. He's he's pretty. Might have been in Rose City Comic Con a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did it, Rose City. Yeah. yeah. I'm still bitter that the year that Tony Todd was there. That was the year. Since I started going, I only miss one year, and it's <laughs> I feel like it's part of the reason we're now exes. Um, <laughs> but I had to go to my ex's uh, brother's wedding. And it was the same weekend, and I was like, "How dare you schedule it for the end?" And it was the year Tony Todd's there, and I'm a I'm like my friend got him to take a picture with my picture, yeah, because that's how big of a Tony Todd fan I am. Wait, what? Oh my god! I think I was behind them in line <laughs> when I saw Tony Todd. <laughs> And so I remember that story. They're like, oh, can you take a picture for our friend with a picture of her? I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I'm, there's no way that happened twice at the same time. <laughs> probably yeah. didn't. I still have the picture. It's, a, it's one of my favorites. Anyway. That's a beautiful thing. It's all, it was, I, God bless her for doing that for me because I was so upset to miss. So, I mean, I still have hopes that someday he'll come back because I very much enjoy so this, this is the point at which we start hitting you up with requests. Yeah. 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 So here's my list. Okay. No, uh, we are coming to the point where we probably need to wrap up soon-ish because it's getting late. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you guys have any requests, um, I'll give you my Angel Fire email address. <laughs> 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 Anybody want to, it's uh, Jason, don't email me at angelfire.com. <laughs> and for the love of God, do not Facebook message me with your requests. <laughs> 
too late. No. <laughs> but I do it like every week when I get drunk. <laughs> yeah, tell tell him while he's really drunk on Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, at the at the I tried to pitch floor. meatloaf once. <laughs> he's been doing the concert right now, but uh, oh man. But, be yeah, like, yeah finally at the 13th, 13th floor, one of the best parties in town, you know. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite things about Con as well. One of the many I mean, things. Oh, yeah. I, I think, honestly, up this, yeah. Talk everyone in, like, the, it's, you know, everyone you're already hanging out with at the panels, now you're seeing upstairs. upstairs. Talking to voice sometimes the, the guests show up, which is not because they have to, because they want to. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm torturing myself to, I'm going to check in so that I can be checked in and then running to opening night of the show I directed and then hauling my ass back. But I'm doing that because if I don't check in beforehand, I won't be able to check in when I get back because it'll be too late, but I won't go to that party. <laughs> so what are you doing Thursday night? Dress rehearsal for the show I'm directing. <laughs> so this year, um, I'm arranging a pre-funk Thursday night where I'm going to give out bands to the panelists who show up so that oh. they don't have to stand in line Friday. Oh. So. When and where, pray tell, sir. I have not completely figured that out yet. I'm going and to be putting it out probably so. tomorrow <laughs> okay. as soon as I get the get it all, the, all the details figured out. But, um yeah, uh, go have a couple of drinks, meet some of the fan- panelists that you'll be working with, and uh, yeah, it'll cool. be fun. Because I could do that after dress yeah. rehearsal. And everyone in this room has been in a lot of us. We didn't really go into too many of the details of the panels themselves, but you can go to Crypticon.com or uh, CryptonSeattle.com and find the list of panels uh, on CityofGeek.com and on our Facebook. It listed everything that we ourselves uh-huh. will be on, uh, along with uh, Adrian Clark and... Um, cool. Amy and Amy Simon, who do the uh, Stephen King panels, uh, Stephen King panel. They did a Stephen King panel with me last year, but the Stephen King retrospective that that we do together. Uh, so everything that anyone involved with the site is in is listed out there. But definitely just go to the Crypticon itself, buy your tickets, come to the show. Um, so as we wrap up, any uh, anything else you want to put out about the con, about things you want to say? Yeah, come to my my party room on the 13th floor. It's called the Deadly Den. It's hosted by the Deadly Darlings. They're a modeling group based out of Southwest Washington. And spend lots of money, because otherwise I'm not going to be able to afford to buy a party room next year. And we got super cheap drinks. Um, We got beer sponsored by Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse Brewery out of Kent, Washington. Uh, We're going to have wine we're going to have themed cocktails if you've ever seen the cover of night of the demons 3 she's holding a very nice blue martini mm-hmm. with two eyeballs through it um we're going to be serving that sold awesome uh, yeah <laughs> friday wow. night we have a uh, tim burton theme where i have a drink called the beetlejuice and nice you got a nice black and white uh striped paper straw that comes with it oh. i love it i love it, it. it themed drinks and then uh saturday night we're doing a circus theme and uh so cotton... still tim burton no i'm kidding no I'm still... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh cotton candy martinis mm. oh. oh so if anyone wants gut rot um, or a nice beer, some wine. Um, come and come up Scotch. to my floor and and spend money so that my wife doesn't murder me. <laughs> Is there going to be karaoke this year? There will be karaoke. The Ghouls yeah, of the Crypt yeah. uh, will be doing that nice. from I believe eleven to two a.m. Saturday. They have a bigger room to do it in this year because so, nice. it was so popular. Um, Supposedly, I had a great time. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> we got to find a song for all of us to sing up there together. 
Uh, I think that's got to be Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> really? Is it Just really? out of curiosity, Mason, what's your karaoke jam of choice? Or do you oh, have one? Well, uh, I, I don't necessarily do a lot of karaoke, but my shower jams are California Dreamin' mm. uh, and uh, Just What I Needed by the Cars. Oh. Nice. Um, nice. Give me yeah. on both those. Yeah. I can get behind those. Yeah. But uh, thank you for coming out and talking about Con and just everything generally. We, we, we greatly appreciate, appreciate you being here. Uh, yeah. Going all the way down to the week of Con. Thank you for having me, guys. It's uh, I, I actually don't get invited onto podcasts as much as I'd like. <laughs> I don't know if it's because people think I'm an asshole or if I, it's because I, I'm not knowledgeable enough. But one up both. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I throw this pity party for myself. No, I um, I love doing these things. It's, it's great, and it's my pleasure to come out here. And then we'll, uh, so next up we'll be here, we, uh, Cody's interview with Scott Weil. This is Cody here from Studio Geek Podcast. I'm sitting down with Scott Weil from the film Once Upon a Superhero, which has a premiere screening here in Tacoma at the Blue Mouse Theater on May 10th at 10 p.m. So definitely come down and check that out. Thank you for being here today with me, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're uh, we're really excited. We got our first kind of you know chance to kind of interact with you know, a filmmaker, which is which is super cool for us and super cool for you. So, Once Upon a Superhero is a bit of a kind of like a project you've been on for a while now. Um, yeah, just go ahead and give us a kind of a rundown of what it's about. The uh, film is about a self-proclaimed superhero by the name of Solar Flare, who's been exiled to Earth without his superpowers. And as he meets the underbelly of Hollywood, he goes into a drug-induced loss of self as he awaits the return of his superpowers. That sounds super cool. And it's completely an independent flick as far as we know, correct? That is correct. That is awesome. That is awesome. We like to support independent cinema, and especially a good kind of cult film in progress type deal. This is a very underground, very cult film, and uh, something I think this uh, Northwest is going to really dig. I'm, I'm excited for it, and I'm... I'm intrigued. What what made you choose the Blue Mouse as a uh, venue for it, rather than you know someplace up in the actual like Seattle area? Um, you know, we we really love the true art house theaters and uh, people that are supportive and give us an opportunity to screen. Um, and for the for us, that's really the most important thing. And it's it's really got that feel, and we we love the old school feel. Cool. Can't replace that. Oh yeah, Blue Mouse is. Uh, I mean, there's a reason where everything else has been developed in the area we're actually interviewing down from the Blue Mouse has been developed, and it's still there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what about your 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 cast? Uh, you know, who, who plays your main kind of hero guy, Solar Flare? Uh, our main uh, our lead actor is actually played by SeaTac native Adam Marcinowski. Yeah, that's super cool. Again, yep. another connection to the Northwest. Yep, area guy. That's also why we wanted to make sure we did a strong tour up here and uh, give uh, give people a chance to really see his performance, which is pr- phenomenal. Yeah, I, I've been like I said, I was very, very, we were very intrigued. Especially, you know, I like films that kind of come out of nowhere. It's kind of good. It's kind of good for that. So it's it's definitely going to be more. Is there a lot of like action to it, or is it going to be more of like a character study? Um, you know, it's it's a film that. It's that's a really hard to, to describe. It's mostly, um, I would say, it's a thriller, sci-fi, uh, underground cult film. It's a, it's it's an experience. I'll put it to you this way: it's a movie unlike anything anybody has seen before. Cool. Yeah, it br- it brings something very fresh and new to the superhero conversation. 
Yeah, no, I, it, it kind of reminds me that the, the, uh, ma- you know, the main hero has a very similar look to, uh, like, that real-life superhero guy, uh, Phoenix Jones. Um, if you've ever seen pictures of him up here, he, he actually goes out and patrols at night. He hasn't been active in a while, but that kind of got me that vibe. And I always like a good CD underbelly tale, you know, hence, hence why we're, we started City of Geek. Is, well, people, uh, people seem to tell us often that this is, um, very underground, very, uh, it's totally has that feel in particular. It, it brings out a, uh, a certain vibe. It'll make you uncomfortable in spots. It'll take you on a cinematic journey and leave you at the station pretty much with your bl- brains blown out. <laughs> well, that's what we like to hear. Yeah. So, um, in regard to how did the, how did the, the film start? Did you just kind of was it a script that had been floating around for a while as a passion project type deal, or did it just kind of evolve along the way? No, we actually have a very interesting story. It was originally a short film, and it was about a guy who believed he was Space Ghost. And uh, we were going to do it in that format, but Warner Brothers owned the rights. And uh, when we reached out to them, they certainly were not <laughs> into that, especially with some of the racier elements still in that format of the script. And uh, I had reached out to uh, an uncle of mine, and uh, you know, I usually picked his brain. He's been in the industry for... He's been in Hollywood for a long time. And uh, when I told him the story, he said, ah, fuck him, make your own guy, Solar Flare. And as soon as he said Solar Flare, I was like, man, that hit me like a, a pound of bricks. And I went back to John and I mentioned that. And he went back and started rewriting the script, which totally transformed into what it sits at now in its current format. That's super cool. And I, that makes me want to see it even more because I love Space Ghost. I grew up on that, you know, the, 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 the Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Yeah. Uh, the revival on Swim. Yeah. 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 So can we expect Solar Flare to be starring in his own Adult Swim show very soon? We'll see if Adult Swim wants him, you know. <laughs> I, I think he would fit in well with the roster over there. <laughs> Robot Chicken in the Solar Flare. <laughs> hey, sounds good. Yeah. So how did how did your uh, lead actor get cast? What, what, what made him Solar Flare for you? You know, that's that's a really interesting story. Uh, we had worked on a different film prior to this, which we actually never made. Uh, we brought it up to the 11th hour. It didn't feel right with the, uh, with the cast in that, and we pulled the plug. But out of that, uh, Adam had actually read for a part on that. And, you know, he was in our head because, you know, he had this superhero look. He's a big guy, um, and he has an incredible voice. And when this project came up, I immediately, you know, we immediately thought of him and uh, asked him to come down and read. And he was the only one that actually ever read for it. That's cool. Yeah, it was, that's, it was, a, that's, a, that's actually really an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, it was it was a part really meant for him, I yep. believe, from the get go. He was meant to, to be Solar Flare. That's super cool. Awesome. So... Does, does, Super, does Solar Flare have any, like, main villain he's fighting, or is the main villain more just underbelly of everything nasty about humanity? He has a main villain. He's fighting, uh, well, he's he's having some very difficult run-ins with a local street pimp named Hollywood. Oh. Uh, so Hollywood is his nemesis. Yes. yes. Figuratively and... Uh, <laughs> kind of Figuratively <laughs> and literally. Exactly, yeah. Oh, cool. That sounds super... And it fits with the vibe. You know, we, we made this, uh, we believe this to be the most anti-Hollywood film ever made. 
That sounds good. I mean, especially we, we talk a lot about on the show about how movies have kind of lost a lot of their soul to a point, especially in the superhero genre. You know, the MCU is great and everything, but you look at DC and everything that they're doing and there's like, there's no, there's no fun anymore. There's no, even like, even like bad fun, you know, sometimes I like to leave a movie going, wow, I just sat through that and I don't know how to feel about myself in a good way. Not a, I can't believe I watched that movie, but yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of just going for something completely against the grain, just, you know, up in Hollywood's grill and kind of like he's just going to pop him right in the face. Well, if that's the type of movie you like, I think you're going to be sitting there like uh, you pulled up at the station and don't know what you just went through for the last two hours. <laughs> in a good way. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so this was <clears throat> shot uh, in L.A.? This is shot all in Hollywood. Uh, just to give your audience some perspective, we live like two, three blocks uh, north of the epicenter of the cosplay universe over at Hollywood and Highlands. Yes. And uh, writer-director John Klein as he uh, goes to the gym right in the middle of there, and he started to encounter these people at grocery store or just walking home or whatever, and that kind of began the spark for this particular script. You know, yeah, it definitely also has some hallmarks to a little bit of point of uh, the Sentry from Marvel, if you've ever read some of the stuff. He's kind of like a super Superman-type character who's erased from the Marvel Universe, and then he believes that he is a Marvel superhero. And it, he actually does come back, and he has powers and everything. It's, it, it's reminiscent to me of that, uh, except a little more grounded and realistic. I don't think he'll be, uh, you know, frying Norman Osborn's head off or anything like that. But that that intrigues me, because I, I think a lot of people really enjoy that character. And it's something that hasn't really been tapped in superheroes yet. You know, Hancock kind of tapped in that variety. But then again, it was Hancock. Hancock is like a little kid's movie compared to Once Upon a Superhero. That's awesome. It's awesome. So I take it unrated. Or did you guys get rated? It's it's unrated, but if it was rated, it would be a hard R. Oh, cool, cool. So what about your support? Side characters, actors, any interesting tidbits there? Kind of yeah, thing? a lot of good things. Um, one of our uh, uh, co-stars, Yvette Monreal, is having a big year. She's uh, going to be starring in the new Rambo. Uh, coming out later this uh, year in September, I believe, and she's also going to be in DC's Stargirl, okay, uh, in a very nice role. So she's having a very nice year for herself. Uh, Thomas Decker has been in quite a few things and has quite a cult following between Secret Circle and uh, the new Nightmare on Elm Street and some other things. And uh, Ron Bush, who is also a comedian on the side and a co-star, actually does a, a lot of comedy tours up in the Portland-Tacoma, uh, Seattle area, too. Cool. We always, like I said, we like the, we like the local aspect of things. It's kind of cool getting to see that genesis of the, of the people in the film as well. Yeah. Um, so you guys are doing going to be there, kind of a Q&A. What, what, what's kind of going on with that? Yeah, uh, John and I are going to be there. We're going to do uh, we're going to do an introduction and uh, take some questions after, and uh, hang out. You know, we really love to connect with the audience and uh, sometimes grab a beer. Sometimes it takes a few minutes for people to actually be able to speak after the movie. So, but once they are able to speak again, they usually have a lot of questions. So, uh, yeah, we would love to uh, meet some folks and uh, connect and uh, talk about the movie afterward. Cool, cool, cool. We're definitely excited. Uh, at least. Part of City of Geek will be there, so we, we will be happy to kind of see the finished product and give you our thoughts. Um, 
So you're doing 10 cities, correct? On this tour, we are doing six cities. Six we cities. are uh, starting in Spokane and then Portland, Bellingham, Vancouver, Tacoma, and Corvallis. Awesome. Kind of a good navigation through the, the Pacific Northwest? Most certainly. We are very much looking forward to it. So what, what's the next steps? Are you guys looking to go for something like a Netflix? Are you liking to put it out on a DVD, uh, run the festival circuit for a bit longer? Are you, Is this something you're trying to get picked up for maybe a, a theatrical run? Well, we, we've been in the midst of a theatrical run now for a few months. Uh, we're going to continue. This movie will always be playing in theaters. Uh, it's it's developing a cult following. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's something that I expect will be in theaters forever. Uh, we will also be in a, on streaming platforms in the near future. Uh, the best thing for that is always keep a lookout on our website, onceuponasuperhero.com, and our Instagram at onceuponasuperherothemovie, and Facebook, onceuponasuperhero, where we uh, always make uh, frequent announcements. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I know, because that's, that's how a lot of people find movies, is that, that, that streaming platform. So it's good, it's good to see you guys are going to kind of hit on that. Um, Oh yeah. Um, when it comes to the actual like film part of things, what are super or super solar flares powers? That's something I'm gonna have to leave you to watch the movie to uh, fully take in. Um, his powers are not working on Earth, but he does have his most powerful uh, superpowers is Delta Gamma Freeze laser beams, which can hold any species in a frozen state for up to 24 hours doesn't love a good ice <laughs> but unfortunately on earth they're no longer working for him <laughs> kind of like a reverse superman where instead of it enhancing it's just like you don't have anything yeah you're kind of screwed bud exactly um so six years getting it out um you think you say it's going to have a it's going to always be kind of circulating in and out of film you know so what is do you have plans for a sequel longer term stuff or is this going to be kind of just a self-contained entry well, we'll see how the universe pushes things. You know, right now uh, we're really focused on just getting this out to the folks and uh, letting this, you know, we, we want people to meet Solar Flare first and then we'll get to the other stuff. And uh, <laughs> You don't want to pull a Batman versus Superman and have eight movies set up and you're looking at, wait, what happened? Yeah, for right now we're, we're focused here and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, what about yourself? Have you uh, worked on anything else before? You mentioned some music videos and uh, another short film. Yeah, I've done, uh, produced a music video, a short film, feature, um, been the subject of a documentary. Just, um, yeah, figuring out uh, what I'm going to do next uh, beyond this. And uh, But right now, like I said, my main focus is really just on this film, uh, doing this in a special way where we're really trying to do something different and unique and keep this exclusive in theaters for the time being. Uh, the movie itself is a moving art piece. Uh, we've won... Uh we uh, recently got a Best Cinematography Award with uh, two Best Sci-Fi Features on the uh, festival circuit. And uh, yeah, right, right now uh, we really want to get this out to the people. Cool. You know, this would be something... Uh it, they closed it for this year, but next year, uh, Crypticon, our local horror convention, they play stuff like this. And now that'd be something I think they'd be probably be interested in screening. Um, that might be something for you to look into. We always like to shout out to Crypticon. That's actually how we met, kind of got in contact with you. Oh, awesome. Um, 
So yeah, no, that yeah, we we appreciate that, and we we love what Crypticon does, and it's an important part of just the whole culture in general. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, on a personal level, I think it's really interesting what you guys are doing. You just dump it out and say, well, here's here's it, here it is. You're you're rolling it out. And you're doing kind of like an old school film tour, which I think it's lost in today's kind of uh, genre. I mean, like the, I have a lot of films that you know I, I like you know that are on streaming that you know they've never been in theaters although get a one-day theatrical run to kind of cultivate it and build up its cult following i think it's very smart and i think it's an it's a very old school marketing tactic and i like it a whole lot i i really appreciate that uh john and i come from we're, we're children of the 80s and you know we love cinematic experiences we we are very supportive of art house theaters and and that they give the opportunity for a once upon a superhero to play on the big screen and, and be heard in all of its sound glory and give people a chance to experience this movie together and experience it shot on the wide screen and, and just taking it all in with with an audience with an experience which is really really important to us and uh thank you for noticing that because that's something we are certainly striving for yeah, when I when I when I googled you guys to do some research beforehand, I'm like I couldn't find much, which was nice. I actually like that. I'm like because I feel like um, one of my buddies who does this podcast, Tony K, um, and he's you know he's child of the '70s and '80s, and he got that experience. You know, back where I used to work, there was a, a building, you know, old dilapidated building that he used to go see movies at when he was a kid. And you know, he's talking to me about seeing Hills Have Eyes and Texas Chainsaw back to back. It's like. I never really got that. So to get this kind of in a modern setting is, is, is very appealing to people of my, you know, kind of younger generation, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the other thing, too, when, when I look for venues, I really look for venues with flavor and have that old flavor. This whole Northwest tour, uh, every theater we're playing, I'm really excited to show in that room, the, uh, the Garland Theater in Spokane, uh, Clinton Street, uh, which has the longest Rocky Horror uh, run in Portland, uh, the Blue Mouse here in Tacoma, the Rio in Vancouver, yep. uh, Pickford in Bellington, and uh, Dark Side Cinema in Corvallis. Just really looking forward to playing all these houses. It's going to be really a lot of fun. Cool. Bob actually used to do the um, Rocky Horror for the Blue Mouse, so we're all, we're all actually very familiar with the Blue Mouse. I'm like, oh, you're coming to the Blue Mouse. Uh, I'll be there. Um, yeah. So what what is next after your Northwest tour? More touring or just kind of going to hit up other markets or are you going to do the streaming or do we not know yet are we just going to get through this and see where it goes kind of thing yeah no we already have dates set on the east coast uh we're going to be premiering in vermont virginia uh encore shows uh back in new york connecticut um yeah a lot, a lot of things are happening uh more dates are going to be added for sure and uh we're hoping to have a more bigger announcement before year's end that will lead to something where people can access it globally. Cool. That's great to hear. Always good to broaden that, that audience. Uh, so when, when Solar Flare is being considered kind of on a, a hero level, were there any heroes that inspired him? Um, or was it more of a person that you added powers to? No, I, uh, John Klein, the uh, writer, director, producer of the film, um, you know, both of us love comics and uh, old school superheroes, um, but there was, n they were not as far as as far as Solar Flare, it's a standalone 
nothing in particular inspired it, but we're we're certainly fans, especially the uh, Stanley stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, phenomenal. Did you did you happen to go see uh, Avengers yet? Um, I, this might not be a popular answer with your audience, but I am not into that kind of movies at all. I have no desire. Um, not, it just does nothing for me. I, you know, I, I've noticed that that's, that's more prevalent than you might think. I have a lot of people who don't really care for the, the newer hero movies. I'm a personal fan. You know, we all went and saw it. It's super fun. But a lot of, you know, it's kind of a divisive thing, I think. The, the thing for me, a lot of um, the modern cinema, the, the use of CGI and effects takes me out of a lot of the films, uh, makes it really hard for me personally to get in them into them. And yeah, I just I, I, it's weird for me, I guess maybe when I grew up, maybe somebody that grew up today that's maybe 20 years old now that grew up on CGI and looks regular to their eyes. But me growing up when I did, you know, it doesn't it doesn't look cinematic to me. It looks fake and takes me, you know, me personally. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just something uh, just preference. But I, I certainly understand why people dig it. And I'm glad they have, you know, it, it's nice. It's nice that we can give somebody the counter experience here. You have the big budget, you know, Avengers experience. And if you want the counter experience, come see Once Upon a Superhero because it, it's going to bring something really fresh and different to the superhero conversation. So I take it we did all um, practical effects. There are no real no yeah, effects. You won't really. It's very. Oh wow! Yeah, the the editing is phenomenal. I I I'll just let the movie speak for itself. Sounds like there's some good, solid grit to it. Yeah, like a nice, nice good, like actual grit where it doesn't look like that was like like the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre they made where it's gritty, but you can tell that they shower every day kind of thing <laughs> it's like if, you, if you're if you gonna go gritty i want i want <laughs> yeah so what are your like all-time like inspiration pieces favorite films stuff that you guys draw kind of inspiration into your stuff from uh me personally i i love outside the box stuff uh i love things that make you think once upon a superhero makes you think um david lynch stuff i'm a huge fan of um Love the uh, last season of Twin Peaks a lot. Um, Charlie Kaufman, uh, things that he's done is just blows my mind when I watch it. Those those two immediately come to mind for me personally. Uh, John, our director, is more world cinephile and takes in a lot of different genres of cinema, which I think uh, if your audience comes and makes it out and, and sees this film, you'll literally see genre changes almost scene to scene. It's It's very interesting. Yeah, we, we, we're kind of like that at City Geek, where I, I watch movies, but I don't know how Bob fits all the movies he watches into his day. I'm like, do you sleep? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we are we are very excited, and we appreciate you kind of reaching out to us and taking the time to come on hang out with us. Um, just like to give you an extra thank. Is there any last thoughts on the movie you'd like to say? Yeah, I would just, I would love to meet some of your audience, and uh, I want to tell you if you want to see a movie that's just unlike anything you've experienced before and want to have a real cinematic experience i'd love to see you come down come hang out with us after and uh you know come check it out give us uh, some support to a uh independent film to a great venue at the blue mouse and to SeaTac native adam marcinowski whose performance as the lead character solar flares 
just tremendous. Re really, truly, and honestly, a tremendous performance. He deserves to be well, We hope to see everyone out. Um, City of Geek will be out for the showing on May 10th at the famous Blue Mouse in Tacoma. Thank you again, Scott, for being here. And we will now cut to the other part of the podcast. Thank you. All right, and thank you everyone uh, for listening. Uh, this is cityofgeek.com with our podcast. And uh, it's May 1st and this is coming out. So Crypticons May 3rd through 5th. So come out this year. If you can't make it out this year, come out next year and every year after. Because once you come once, you're never, you'll, you'll, you'll never, never stop. Leave. You really won't. Uh, it becomes your horror summer camp every year. I rearrange <laughs> my schedule to be like, I'm not available certain weekends because of it. You come in, you walk out with like 25 new friends yeah. and mm -hmm. everything else in there. It's a family. Yeah, it definitely it really is. is. See the same people again year for year. Totally. And I understand why horror people are the kindest people like you will ever meet. Seriously. I and agree. we all smell very nice. There's no it's, it's not no OSCON. One thing I notice, especially about you, Jason, is when I give you longer hugs at the con, you don't smell, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> is I, he I, wish I, I wish I could say the same thing. Snap! <laughs> 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 and with that, we'll leave you guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. You know, you know what to do. Uh, we'll see you uh, next time. Go cgeek.com so you guys everything else we're working on as we get back into the mix of things. We've all been super busy with Crypticon, so we haven't had a chance to post too many things, but maybe we'll come back to life. Yay! Yay. All right. Thanks.